book of Acts this morning, the book of Acts, as the kids go out for Children's Church Choir. Excellent job, excellent job. Enjoyed that uh, uh, immensely this morning and uh, on uh, this day that we celebrate uh, uh, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and uh, love Easter time, love what it stands for and um, uh, thank you brother uh, Toby for doing all the sound and uh, uh, making everything great this morning. A lot of hard work put into that and um, I'm certainly uh, certainly thankful uh, for that. Uh, the flowers I was going to ask but I saw the ladybugs, and so the flowers this morning uh, on the um, communion table are in memory of Ashlyn. Uh, I think Nick, Nikki, Nikki brought them, and um, uh, uh, thankful for that. Uh, Acts chapter number one this morning. Acts chapter number one. As they were singing, I was thinking to myself, "Can you imagine?" I'm, I'm the I'm the imagine kind of guy. I like to I like to picture things. I like to see things. When I uh, one of the one of the things I love about reading is that I could just immerse myself into the book and just imagine different things as I'm reading history and, and um, uh, just imagining how things were, how things went. And uh, I think of this event where they go to the tomb, the ladies go to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and um, there's uh, nobody there. And um, they run back. You, you, you remember the story. And they go back and they uh, tell the men, they tell Peter, Jesus is, is, uh, is not there. Uh, he's risen. Uh, they go with haste, the Bible says. I mean, they go, they go running. And, and uh, Peter and John race to get to see who gets there first. And they go and, and see the empty tomb. And uh, I picture... Uh, in my mind, being there as they realize what Jesus had been teaching them, uh, what Jesus had been speaking to them during his entire earthly ministry. Um, and in Acts chapter number one, uh, Jesus had, had risen and he had um, uh, conquered death and he had conquered hell and and he made himself uh, uh, witnesses and many proofs uh, amongst people. And he was with his disciples here in Acts chapter number 1. And, he's, and, and they asked the question. They still asked the question. Is it time? Are you going to bring in the kingdom? I mean, this is what they were excited for. This is what they were looking forward to. And Jesus makes that statement that sometimes we forget today, uh, your timing's not my timing. It's not, uh, it's not really what he's saying here in the beginning of Acts chapter 1. Really, it's none of your business. When I'm ready, then you'll know. You don't know the times. You don't know the seasons. And he tells them that. And then he goes back to the Father. So in Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 8, after he had met with his disciples and, and, and told his disciples there uh, in verse, uh, verse number 7, that it is not for you to know the times or the seasons. He says this in verse 8, But ye shall receive power, 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay, are you picturing it with me? They're standing around. Jesus just got telling got done telling them it's not time for the kingdom yet. It's not uh, it's 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 not for you to know the times and the seasons. And then he says, "But let me tell you something. Something's coming." I said, "And the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to be witnesses. I mean, all over the world." His, and then and then boom, he's gone. He's taken up. Now, picture with me a second. As the disciples are standing there going, I mean, jaws, you know, drop to the ground. You remember, you remember when uh, uh, they were in the storm and they were in the boat and, and Jesus was in the back of the boat and he was sleeping and they went back and wo- woke him up and he came to the bow of the boat and he said what? Peace be still. Whew. Everything was calm. I mean, no more wind, the seas were calm, I mean, no more rain, everything. And you know what the Bible says about the disciples? They were astonished. You know what that means? Their jaws dropped. Now imagine with just a second, here they are talking to Jesus, and Jesus is taken up. And they're sitting there going, wow. Witnessing, by the way, bearing witness of him going back to the Father as they're standing there. Now watch this. As they're standing there, staring up into heaven, verse number 10, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. So two guys just show up. And they're dressed in white. Now think with me. Now listen, we have... Sitting in front of you is the completed revelation of God. Okay? So, we get it because we read it. They're experiencing this for the first time. So, here they are. Jesus is taken up. They're looking steadfastly. That means they ain't moved their eyes. I mean, they're looking steadfastly at Jesus as He's going back up. And then all of a sudden, boom! There's two guys. And they begin to speak. Which also said in verse number 11, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now I'm thinking to myself, what kind of question is that? Did you just witness what I witnessed? Now I don't know what they were thinking. I'm just talking like what I would be thinking. What do you mean what am I looking at? Did you just catch a glimpse of of what I just saw? Said this, this same Jesus which is taking up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And they were come in, they went up into the upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zealots, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued, verse 14, with one accord, in prayer and supplication, with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. 
interesting events, series of events here. So Jesus is meeting with them, he's talking with them, and then he goes back into heaven, they're watching, uh, these two men come along and said, hey listen, uh, the same Jesus that's going up, uh, he's coming back, and Jesus had already told them, I need you to go and wait. I need you to go and wait. So where do they go? They go to the upper room, we've heard about the upper room, we've read about the upper room, what is the upper room? The upper room is a waiting place. The upper room is a waiting place for something that miraculously is about to happen. They're about to... Now, listen, we talk about, we talk about um, the subject of tongues, and we talk about uh, 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 tongues... Uh, listen, here it is right here. I mean, the Holy Spirit is fixing to come upon them so that they can go and do what Jesus told them to go and do. And they're going to go, and literally, they're going to turn the world upside down. I mean, they're going to go all over the place. Peter is going to preach, and thousands are going to be saved. They're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. By the way, when Jesus told them to go into, um, uh, to be witnesses uh, to me both, that word both means at the same time. So listen, I need you to go, and I need you to go to Jerusalem, and I need you to go to Judea, and I need you to go to Samaria, and I need you to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, and I need you to be witnesses for me. And I need you to be witnesses for me, not in your power, but I need you to be witnesses for me in my power. And so he says, go and wait. Go and wait for what? Go and wait for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be witnesses. And man, I'm telling you, the early church is uh, 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 turned, uh, uh, grows, and, and, and goes all over the world. People are saved by the droves. And all of it's possible for one reason. All of it's possible because Jesus Christ rose again. If we serve, listen to me, if we serve a dead Savior, we have no hope. There's nothing. If He's still in the grave, there's no hope. There's, there's no power. There's no being a witness. It's all in our own power if He did not rise again. I can tell you this much. Religion and all religions have one thing in common. Their leader lived he died, he's dead. You can go to the marker, you can go to the tomb, you can go to the sepulcher. They are dead. The difference between religion and Christianity is that we have a Savior that lived and died and He lives forevermore. That's what we celebrate on Easter. Easter has become um, known as a time to gather His family. Right? It's a great time. We usually have a big meal at Easter. Somebody usually, uh, or somebody's usually cook a, a big meal and family gets together. And sometimes family gets together when they don't, or aren't able to get together during the year and they all get together and have a nice meal. Easter has become a time about uh, uh, the Easter bunny and Easter egg hunts and about children. And I'm not. I'm not up here to tell you what's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what Easter has become known as. 
And I think that we have slowly, at least in the world, and I'm afraid in the church as well, we've slowly gotten away from the real reason for Easter. Easter is a celebration. It's a celebration of what our Savior did. The celebration of hope. A celebration of, you like the words, right? We like these words, love, grace, mercy. Aren't these the things that we want? Aren't these the things that we pray for? Uh, we, we had to go and get my daughter. Anna is very sick, and so I would appreciate your prayers for her. And uh, we ended up, uh, I ended up in the ER with her uh, yesterday for about six hours. And um, she's, they were afraid that her, her lymph nodes had abscessed. And if they had abscessed, they were going to transfer her. They were going to have to drain the abscess and do surgery. And let me tell you, uh, we, we tend to have, we have a tendency to do a lot of praying when things go bad, don't we? You know what I was praying? I was praying two things. First of all, I was praying, Lord, thy will be done. But then, on the because I'm human, just like everybody else, on the hinge of that, I'm praying, Lord, may your will be that it's not abscessed. <laughs> Lord, I'm praying for your grace. Lord, I'm praying for your mercy. Lord, I'm praying, and praise the Lord, it was not abscessed. The doctor, they did CAT scans, and the doctor came in and said, I just don't understand. Uh, she, he said, I did the CAT scan because I was convinced that it was, that it was, uh, that it was abscessed. But it's not. And her neck's very swollen and she's just, and she's, I mean, she's just sick. But praise the Lord, it wasn't what it could have been. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, the, the doctor's talking and he's going, wah, 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 wah. I was, I don't understand anything he was saying. I was praising the Lord. I was, I was, I was talking to the Lord saying, thank you. Can I, can I tell you something? That grace... That mercy, that hope, that love is all possible because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know that we understand. I don't know that we really grasp the importance of the resurrection. Can I tell you, when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because He rose again, let me give you just a couple thoughts when it comes to uh, this resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ, that He rose again because he arose think about this with me because he arose we are able to be saved because he arose can i can i help you with something if jesus christ did not rise then you would not rise do you understand that you remember the sadducees the sadducees said listen there is no resurrection well <laughs> Listen, understand this. Without a resurrection, there's no hope. Without a resurrection, you're not rising again. And so, because of the resurrection, and because He arose, we can be saved. We can know Christ as our personal Savior. Look over with me one chapter in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 21. The Scripture said, It shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, listen, watch this. And it shall come to pass. Why has it come to pass? It's only come to pass because Jesus Christ rose again. That's why it came to pass. Without His resurrection, there is no hope. And without His resurrection, there is no salvation. 
We can be saved because He rose. So many today have different ideas when it comes to attaining salvation. You know, I'm just doing the best I can, preacher. Well, I've been baptized. I've been confirmed. I'm a member of a church. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing... My intentions are right, preacher. And I tell you, your intentions aren't what get you to heaven. You being a good person isn't what gets you to heaven. You being a moral person isn't what gets you to heaven. Can you imagine with me for just a second the idea, this idea that, uh, that uh, uh, when we get to heaven, God weighs our sins with our good works. Can you answer for me? Can anybody answer for me? How much good works? How much does it take? And do you really believe? Now listen, you don't have to say it out loud. Just knowing yourself. Do you really believe that you can do enough good to outweigh your bad? If you can say yes, you're just not being honest with yourself. Now we might have people fooled. And people, and people might look at us and say, Oh man, he's just a good... I mean, she's just a good... But inside, we know who we really are. We know what we're really made up of. And there's no amount of good works that can outweigh our bad works. You can be a member of every church in Effingham County. By the way, that's quite a few. You can be baptized in every mode, in every form possible. And you can try as hard as you can, but I'm telling you, none of them will get you to heaven. The only way to get to heaven is to call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ died on that cross. As we celebrate Easter, we must remember that He shed His blood so that we might have the remission of sins. He was taken down from the cross and He was put into the tomb. Remember Joseph of Arimathea? He put Him in His tomb. And guess what happened? He rose again. And because of His resurrection, we're able to be saved and know Christ as our Savior. There's so many questions when it comes to this very important truth, the truth of heaven, the truth of salvation. How do I get it? Who is it for? Can I, can I attain it? Can I lose it? There's so many questions when it comes to, to salvation, but can I tell you the Word of God has all the answers? The Word of God has all the answers. Now, I'm not going to stand up here and tell you i got the answer to every question that you ever had. Because that would be foolish. But I can tell you, every question that you need an answer to, God's got the answer for it. And it's in His Word. Let me give you four things this morning concerning the truth about salvation from the Word of God. What the Word of God says. Number one, salvation is for the fallen. Salvation is for the fallen. If salvation is for the fallen, then who are the fallen? Isn't that a good question? If salvation is for the fallen, then who are the fallen? We are the fallen. I want you to understand something. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that, uh, that there are none righteous, no, not one. There's not a single person. You are absolutely fooling yourself. 
You hear me? You are fooling yourself or other people are fooling you or trying to pump your ego to talk about what a good person you are. You know what Paul said? In me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. No good thing. I'm talking about Paul. I'm talking about the church planter. I'm talking about the, uh, the, the one that uh, uh, wrote uh, most of the New Testament. He said, in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We are sinners. We are fallen. And we need a Savior. One day, you're going to die. We don't like to talk about that. We don't like to go to funerals. Because it reminds us that someday we're going to die. I don't know when that is. You don't know when that is, but it's going to happen. And when you die, people like to believe this. People like to believe two things. Number one, they like to believe, well, when you die, it's all over. You just go back to the dust of the ground, and, and there's nothing after, after, after life. The other thing is that people like to believe, if that's not true, then when we die, everybody goes to heaven. But both of those are contrary to the Word of God. So the Word of God is truth or it's not truth. It can't be both. Either the Word of God is without error or the Word of God is full of error. That, there's, there's, there's no middle ground. And so we know that John 17, 17 says God's Word is truth. And so we follow what God says and what God's Word says. And God says that we are fallen. God's Word says that we miss the mark. God's Word says that we are sinners. There's none righteous. All have sinned. Look at, look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. This is a, a, a mouthful and just a small verse. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon how many men? For how many have sinned? So, as by one man, he's talking about Adam, right? Adam came into this world, and Adam came into this world perfect. He came into a perfect environment, and he chose to sin. And because of Adam's sin, we are all sinners because of Adam. We are born in sin. And because we're born in sin, we need a Savior. We need hope, and that hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But God commendeth His love toward us, Romans 5, 8 says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Salvation is for the fallen. Number two, salvation is free. Salvation is free. Isn't free hard to believe? I mean, let's be truthful. You get a phone call and they, told, they tell you you want a free cruise, what do you do? Hang the phone up. You won, you know, you won the sweepstakes that you didn't even play, you hang up, right? Hey, you want to hit, did you ever get a key in the mail? You want a free car? Just come down, just come down to the dealership. This key might start a brand new 2022 Camaro. In the trash, right? Why? Because it's hard to believe that things are free. Because something, you know, we talk about our freedoms that we have in this country. They're not free. Somebody, somebody and somebodies have given their lives so that we can have freedom that we enjoy in this country. 
But when it comes to salvation, the Bible says that it's a free gift. Now I understand that it costs Jesus Christ everything, but it costs you nothing. It's a free gift. Think about this with me in Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter number 15 is the story of the prodigal son. Do you remember that story? Do you remember the prodigal son? He, 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 he wanted his inheritance and he wanted his inheritance before his father was even dead and his father gave him his inheritance and he went into a country and he spent all he had on riotous living. I mean, he wasted, I mean, he wasted it all. He ended up being um, um, sleeping and eating with the pigs. And I love this passage of Scripture in Luke 15 where the Bible says that, that, that this young man came to himself. He realized, what in the world am I doing? And he's going to go back to the Father. Now, he's going to go back to the Father, and he's going to go back to the Father as a servant. I mean, I mean he's really hit humility. And repentance. And he comes back, and, and before he ever gets to the Father, do you remember what happens? The Father comes, meets him. Now, wait a minute. How in the world did the Father know he was coming? He hadn't been looking, he hadn't been watching, he hadn't been hoping that his son would come back. And when he came back, he said, I, I'll come back as your servant. And, and the father said, no. And he brought a robe and he brought a ring and he brought a, a shoes. And he said, go kill the fatted calf and we're going to have a party. Because my son that was lost is now found. He's come back. And can I tell you, the father didn't give him the robe and say, now listen to me, that robe is $199.99. That ring, that's, a, that's an expensive ring. I don't know if you've been ring shopping lately, but that, that ring, that ring's expensive. I, I'm telling you something, that, that's going to be another 2000 Those are good shoes now. Those are really nice, you know, nice shoes. That's going to cost you something too. And by the way, I, I, killed, my, I killed my best calf. That's going to cost you some money too. Can you imagine? What, what did the son have? He had nothing. Can I tell you, when the son came, let me tell you what he brought to the table. Zero. I mean, he came from the pigs. I mean, he came from taking, he, he, came, he went from having everything to having nothing. Because let me tell you something, sin will always take you farther than you want to go. You'll always end up in a place you never thought you'd be. That's where sin will take you. And boy, I'm here to tell you, the Father's looking forward. He's looking forward to you coming back. He's looking. That's why Jesus came, so that you might be reconciled with the Father. But this gift, Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9, it is a free gift from God. And you can't pay for it. Listen to me, I've never one time as a kid I remember uh, Christmases when, before my parents got a, a divorce, and I, I remember living in a two-story house. And I remember every Christmas morning, man, we'd come out of our rooms, and we'd, we had one of those old-fashioned banisters, and we'd squall way down the banister, and there's the tree, and there's all the presents. I remember one year coming down, shoom, I'd come around, come around the corner, and there was a BMX bike. 
I don't know why my dad wrapped it. But it was wrapped, and it was, it was obviously a bike. And, man, I was so excited. I mean, I could, and I would look around. And of course, we weren't allowed to open any presents and, and, until mom and dad woke up. And they took forever to wake up, right? I mean, it was like 6 o'clock before they woke up. We were up at like 4. You know, but we'd go down there, and we'd look and say, oh, that's, shake it. Oh, that one's mine. Never one time did my parents come down and say, listen to me, let me tell you how much I spent on these gifts. And you owe me big time. Never have they said that. Now, as my kids have gotten grown, I've told my kids, and let me tell you something, let me tell you how much that cost. <laughs> but that's when they're older, right? But when they're young, listen, why, why, why would you not do that? Because you are giving them a gift, and a gift is not paid for by the one that it was given to. It's paid for by the one that is giving. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is free. You don't pay for a gift. Otherwise, it's no longer a gift. Salvation is free. Number three, salvation is fixed. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing. We don't add to it. We don't say, okay, God, thank you for this, but it's not quite enough, so I'm going to do, I'm going to add this to it. I'm going to, I'm going to tack on baptism. I'm going to tack on church membership. I'm going to tack on uh, good works. No, it's fixed in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. Jesus is the only way. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, Jesus on the cross, as he was hanging on the cross, he had seven sayings on the cross. One of the most powerful, if not the most powerful saying on the cross was just three words. It is finished. Jesus didn't hang on the cross and said, almost there. He didn't say, I did my part, now you do your part. He cried from the cross, it is finished. And what does that mean? It means, have you ever, have you ever, um, you ever got a loan? Anybody ever, ever get a loan? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, you, you, ever, you ever get a credit card? Guess what happens? Listen, I told my kids this all the time. They sound great, but you have to pay every month. You don't put it on a credit card and then say, oh, it's, whoop, poof, it disappears. You've got to pay it, and you've got to pay the interest. You talk about hurting your feelings. I mean, have, have you ever bought a house? When you bought the house, you signed the dotted line, this is what you paid for the house, this is what you're going to pay for the house? I, don't, I didn't even look at that number. I don't want to know what that number is. So when I say I paid for my house, this is what I paid for my house. This is actually what I paid for my house, right? Because of all the interest. And you, you get this loan. Well, there gets to a point, or hopefully to a point, on a card or a loan or something, that you pay the last payment. Doesn't that feel good? You get that payment. Let me tell you, anytime I ever do it, I write across the payment. P-I-D. Circle it, color it, draw on it. I mean, I just love the fact that that thing is paid. Or P-I-F, sorry. Some of you are looking at me, what are you talking about? I saw some of your faces go crooked. Uh, P-I-F, paid in full. 
And it's so exciting. You know what it means? It means I owe no more. They can send me all the bills they want to. I'm not paying them because I don't owe them. Can I tell you? It's paid in full. Your salvation is fixed in Jesus Christ and it is paid in full. If you're not saved this morning, can I tell you, place your faith and your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's why He rose again. Paid in full. For I know. 2 Timothy 1 verse 12 says, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Salvation is fixed. It's free. It's for the fallen. And salvation is forever. It's forever. Not just for a little while. Not for a long time. But forever. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says it's eternal. John 3 and verse 16 says it's everlasting. Then look with me in one final verse in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. The scripture says, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You know what it means when he says, Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost? He's able to save them completely. If you're saved and you know Christ as your personal Savior, I'm not talking about growing up in church. I'm not talking about your parents being saved. I'm not talking about your siblings being saved. I'm not talking about you being baptized or confirmed. I'm talking about if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then you are saved completely. I'm not waiting one day to be more saved than I am right now. Now, one day, I'll be changed. One day, I'll get a new body. One day I'll be like Jesus, but when I get to heaven, I won't be any more saved than I am right now. Because He has saved me to the uttermost. Let's bow our heads for prayer. This morning our heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith or trust in Jesus Christ. He rose for a purpose. I want you to understand something about Jesus Christ. Everything He did, let me tell you something about God, everything He does, He does with purpose. He does it for a reason. And Jesus Christ came and He died. He shed His perfect, innocent blood for a purpose, for a reason. You see, Jesus came, and when He came in His earthly ministry... Let me tell you, Jesus performed miracles. He, he, the, the deaf could hear and the, and the blind could see and the dumb could speak and the lame could walk. The dead lived again. He came and He preached. I mean, He was the greatest preacher to ever live. But let me tell you what His purpose was. You know what His purpose was? is to come to seek and to save that which is lost. That's His purpose. You're His purpose. If you're not saved, stop putting it off. Stop playing games. This is serious business. Serious enough for Jesus Christ to die, be buried, and rise again the third day. Maybe you're here and you're not saved. You say, preacher, I'm not sure about it. I'm not sure if I die right now to go to heaven and be with God. I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? 
Just slip your hand up this morning right back down. I pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. I just want to pray for you by need. I'm not sure about my salvation, preacher. Please remember me in your prayers. Is there one? You know what a, what a blessing it is to be saved? But you know the responsibility it is to be saved? Listen, he told, he told these disciples, it's time to get busy. Go to the upper room. I'm going I'm to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can go to Jerusalem. You can go to Judea. You can go to Samaria. And you can get to the uttermost parts of the earth because I need you to be witnesses for me. We're living in scary days. And I believe we're living in the last days. And church, we got to get serious. Be sober. Be vigilant, the Scripture says. What does, that, what does that sober mean? It means to be serious-minded. Get our perspective right, our focus right. Get focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's what matters. Let's stand together. Head bowed, eyes closed, instruments playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I